<laughs> You're not rambling. That's all. <laughs> a good morning. I'm really excited to continue talking about uh, the abundant life mindset. And if you're if you're just joining us, you haven't been with us for the last couple of weeks. We're talking about how God wants us to see this world, how He wants us to think about ourselves and about Him, and how important it is for us to know who God is because it affects how we interpret everyday situations. And the abundant life mindset is a person who believes that God is their provider, uh, that we're convinced that, that God's got my back. He's got everything for me, and, and uh, I don't have to strive. I don't have, the pressure isn't on me to, to make a way uh, in my life, but God is my provider. I can live from a place of abundance. Right now, right now, uh, if you're thinking uh, like you ought to be thinking, okay, right now, then you know you have everything that you need right now to do whatever God's called you to do and to be whoever God's called you to be, and you may not see it, but you know you have it, and, and the instant that you need it in God, it is available to you because all of heaven's storehouse is full for the provision to do what God wants to do in you and through you. And so we, we are learning as a church how to access the promises of God and how to unlock the resources of heaven. And so what we need to remember is that all of God's provision is available for God's work. If you're on God's team, if you're living on mission, and you're being who God's called you to be and doing what God's called you to be, there is zero lack for you. You will have everything you need to do what God's called you to do. God is your provider, amen? Uh, and before I go any further, I just want to remind you that um, in our church, our, our, our approach, at least my approach as a pastor, is to teach us all how to live in victory on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, not to rely on a service from one Sunday to the next or from Sunday to maybe if you're in Celebrate Recovery, which is awesome, to Wednesday night. And then, oh, I got to make it to Sunday. But we are learning how to live in victory every day of the week as the people of God, right? That's our, our, that's our vision is that we are learning how to live in the presence of God one day at a time, hold on to the promises of God one day at a time. You know, uh, one of our kids gets the sniffles, and we lay hands on them at home, right? That's what we do, and we chase that sickness right out of their body with the promises of God. There's a crisis in our life, and we go right to God, and we, we, we rally. You know what I mean? Like, when it happens, we're there. We're dealing with it. We're not holding on until the next service or waiting for someone else to tell us what to do, but we are spirit-filled, filled with God's spirit, moving in the promises of God, living victory, and, and expressing that victory and life to those around us. Amen? That's who we are. We are the people of God. We're called by his name. We're called out of darkness. We're in the kingdom of light. We are kingdom bearers. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Let's go. That's who we are. You know, so anyway, God is our provider. And, um, and it's not because of how hard I work or because I'm lucky or because I'm self-reliant. It's just the opposite. I have everything I, I need right now because of God. God is my provider, period. That's it. It's not anything that I generate on my own. Number two, we've been talking about this, is I can trust God with everything. I can rest while God works. So we all have problems, and we all know what it feels like to take on the pressure 
of that problem. And we begin to worry or stress or we begin to brainstorm or we try to solve it. We try to figure it out. And we get, we get stressed out and freaking out and we're trying to, we own it. We own the problem. What I'm trying to teach you is you don't have to own the problem. You can say, hey, God, you have a problem. And the whole story of the Bible that we were looking at in Exodus was that the people in uh, Egypt, when they were set free, they never picked up a sword, never fought an enemy, never did anything, and God did everything. Last week, we talked about seven I wills that God said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to call you. I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to take you in. I'm going to make you as my own possession. I'm going to destroy your enemies. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bring you into a land that you didn't plant. You're going to eat of the fruit that you never planted. You're going to live in homes you didn't build. The people did nothing except follow God, trust God, resting in God. And God provided. God led. God conquered. God blessed. God did everything, and the people just followed and obeyed. Now, we go all the way back to creation, and that is the way that we entered into this world. God already provided everything, and our first day was a day of rest. And so what we're learning is that God wants us to operate in life from a place of rest, not from a place of striving. Okay, that's the curse. The curse came upon mankind after sin entered the world. And the curse was, now you're going to, by the sweat of your own brow, you're going to seek to try to survive. You're going to have to work the ground. It's going to produce thorns and thistles, and you're going to be sweating and working, and it's on you because that's what you wanted. You want to be self-reliant? You want to be, you know, self-sufficient? Okay, good luck. Now you're going to, I'm going to let you try. And we, couldn't, we can't do it. Life falls apart when it's on us, right? But Jesus reversed the curse, and we can, we can rest in him. So resting is not a passive lifestyle at all. It is a seeking following, listening, and, and obeying the direction that God is giving us, okay? That's what resting is. Resting is trusting. I'm trusting in the Lord. And sometimes, how many of you know it's really hard uh, to trust in the Lord to do some things that we just don't want to do, right? Sometimes he says, hey, trust me, forgive this person. Yeah, are you crazy? You know what they did? I mean, come on, nobody, that person doesn't deserve my forgiveness, I'm still mad. And he says, I, he says, just trust me and forgive them. Okay? So what we do is when we read the Bible and we see what God's ways are, they don't always match up with our wants. Right? God's ways and our wants often are not the same thing. But resting in God or trusting in God is following him. And he says to forgive, and we forgive you know what happens? We're blessed. We're set free, and we begin to heal. All of God's directions and wisdom here are counterintuitive to your sinful nature. They do not make sense, in other words, to your sinful nature. But when you follow and trust God, he blesses us. He always leads us into life and wholeness and prosperity. It doesn't make sense to give. When we read in, in, uh, in the Bible about giving cheerfully, giving cheerfully, that doesn't make any sense at all. Why would I give cheerfully? Give something away cheerfully. Why would I do that? And yet when we begin to trust that God is our provider and everything I have isn't, isn't mine anyway, and he wants me to be a conduit of his blessing, and then I begin to just follow him, and then he continues to bless me, 
and, and my, my trust is in the Lord for everything, not my own self, my paycheck or my you know, effort or my ingenuity or my luck or whatever, it's in him, then it takes all the pressure away from me trying to make ends meet on my own. And I am released from all of that, and I begin to be a conduit of God's blessings. It doesn't make sense at first, but then when you just follow God, his blessings are on you. It's just, so what, resting is not passive. In fact, Paul says we are fighting the good fight of faith. It's hard to have faith, to follow God, to let go, to trust him with our problems, to not step in there and try to take control. That's hard. That's a fight. But what you're fighting is you're fighting your control issues, your desire to be independent, your desire for personal glory and gain. Your, your sinful nature is what's fighting this whole process. And so, like, Janet comes up and just says, we just need to surrender. And it sounds simple, doesn't it? We just need to surrender to God. Oh, that's all we need to do? <laughs> you kidding me? That's hard. But that's where victory is, right? Okay, so God's my provider. I can trust God with everything. I, I have a little rhyme here I made up for you. I am not to strive to survive, but rest and be blessed. I'm not to strive to survive, but rest and be blessed. That's where I want to live from. I want to live from a place of rest. I want to live from a place of, ah, wow, God's got me. God will lead me. God will provide. Not, oh, how am I going to do that? Oh, what do I got to do next? Oh, man, the pressure's on. Totally different lifestyle of rest. That's what God has for you. Today, I want to encourage you with this message. I and you, I'm going to put the word I so that it's, you're thinking the way I'm thinking. I am empowered by God to be fruitful and to multiply. In the very beginning, our created purpose, God said, was to be fruitful and to multiply. To multiply not just children, but to multiply the image of God he stamped upon each and every one of us with his fingerprints. He molded us together. The Bible uses the word that, that uh, speaks of like a, the word that a, a clay uh, potter would be using to form us. When God formed us, the word there is like what would be describing a person with, working with clay. So you got God's fingerprints all over you. And God formed you with his own hands as the idea. There's an intimate intimacy to creation. It wasn't a conveyor belt of dirt piles going through some machine and out pops, you know, a, a man, a woman, or whatever. It wasn't just codes like, ah, just uh, this color hair and this size and this person. But God got in there, and the Bible says in, in your mother's womb, God intricately put you together. Like a little Lego set or something. Like a little piece. I'm going to put a little piece of that and a little this and that. And so God was forming you, fingerprints. The image of God is all over you. And so God wants that image to be multiplied and fruitful in the earth. You are to reproduce from your father's image, his image of love, and grace, and mercy, and creativity, and you know, fruitfulness with your life. And so God is the one who causes you to be fruitful and multiply. And so that's what I want to talk about a little bit today. And today's memory verse for this week is Philippians 2.13. It's just a reinforcing of this idea. And it says, for it is God, is it, oh yeah, let's read it together. For it is God who works in you 
to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Let's read it again, but this time let's say uh, me instead of you. So it's personal. For it is God who works in me to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. This is pretty amazing. This is telling us that God is actually helping you with your will, and he's helping you with your behavior to actually accomplish his good will for your life. God is working it in you and through you. Isn't that good news? You even, even the purpose of your life, even the goal to multiply and be fruitful, that your life matters, that your life has some significance, that you get to the end of your life and you look back and you say, hey, I had an impact. I had a fruitful life. I did something that mattered. For you to get to that point, it's still only through the grace of God working in you and through you. You can't do anything of your own. You cannot be fruitful of your own. And, and so we need to learn how to rely on God working in us and through us. That's the message, and I want you to, 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 to be encouraged by that, not discouraged. Um, and so I want to move into kind of the idea of what faith is for a minute. Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says this about faith. Faith is confidence. Everybody say confidence. So it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is this idea of two weeks ago I was talking about spiritualize. It's you see it, you see it spiritually. You may not see it physically. But, I mean, it's like it's a done deal because the spiritual realm is more powerful than the physical realm. The spiritual realm creates the physical realm. When you see it spiritually, you can see it physically. Until you see it spiritually, you won't see it physically. What I'm saying is until you believe it, you understand this is the will of God. This is the, 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 the word of God. This is the will of God. That's something called faith. When you see it, you're like, oh, sweet. That's the will of God. And something that describes that process, when you see it and you know it and you're confident, this is what God's will is for my life. It's called faith. That's what faith is. You see it with your spiritual eyes. You're like, oh, wait a minute. That's not just a good-sounding uh, scripture verse. Oh, that's not just for Joe Blow over there. That's for me. Whoa, wait a minute. And then all of a sudden something happens, and that thing is called faith. You have confidence. You have assurance. That's the will of God. That's going to happen in my life. That's for me. And like we sang, sang that song, so we pull heaven down to earth. We bring the reality of the spiritual realm into the physical realm. And we, we access the promises of God. So that's what faith is. And the more that we know the will of God and the word of God, faith becomes easier. Because faith is confidence in the will and word of God. It's just absolute confidence. It is seen with your spiritual eyes. Now, the Bible says this, that faith comes from hearing, Romans 10, 17, comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So let me explain this. Faith, what you want is faith, okay? You want faith. Faith is confidence and the awareness and the confidence of the will of God, so much so that it, it begins to release that will of God from the spiritual realm into your physical realm. That's what faith does. And it says you get faith when you hear the message, and the message that you hear that gives you faith 
is a message about Jesus, who he is, what he's done, and what he's doing in you and through you, who you are because he's now in you. The more you learn about the message of who Jesus is, the Son of God, what he's done, who he is, and who you are as a result, the more faith you get and the more promises of God that are released into your life. This is super exciting. So the Bible is all about Jesus. (laughs) You know I'm going to do that to you at least once a month for the rest of your life, right? At least. We have this joke all the time. The Bible is all about Jesus, okay? Jesus is the key to understanding the Bible. So I, I, I'm going to, and, and we're doing a Hebrew class. There's a few students here that are taking Hebrew, so they'll know about some of this. But the first letter in the Bible in Hebrew is this letter, Beit. And it is a, a letter that represents Jesus. First letter in the Bible is Jesus. Why? Because the first letter in the alphabet, or the alphabet, is Aleph. It represents God. The second letter, Bet, this one, represents the Son. So the first letter in the Hebrew Bible is Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Second letter in the Bible is a Resh, Resh, which also represents Prince uh, or the Ruler which represents Jesus. And together, those first two letters form a word in Hebrew called bar. And bar means son, which represents Jesus. Okay, People watching this video right now are screaming at you guys, just say Jesus! It's Jesus! Okay, so it's Jesus, all right. So Jesus, Jesus, and together we have Jesus, son, bar. The next letter, uh, bara, yeah, uh, sheet. It's a, it's sh- it, no, it's not that letter. I'm sorry. I'm am still learning Hebrew. It's a aleph, which is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and this means God Almighty. So the first three letters means the Son of God Almighty, who is Jesus. Now we don't have time to go through every letter of the entire Bible. But are you with me yet? The whole Bible is about Jesus, okay? The first word in the Bible, I'll finish it, Barashit is, and I'll do this real quick, I've done this before, is this all represents the Son of God, which represents Jesus, Son of God. That can mean two teeth, which means to eat, consume, or Press, to press, like you would press your teeth against some food. Pressed, the Son of God, pressed, Yod is a hand, by his own hand, Tav is a cross or a covenant symbol. The Son of God, by his own hand, is pressed to a cross. How many of you can get excited about that? Did you hear what I just said? The first word in Hebrew in our language, says, in the beginning. Well, whoop de do. <laughs> in the beginning. Well, okay. So, come on. Let's get it. Why am I reading this book? Because in Hebrew, it says, Bereshit, but when you break it down, it's the Son of God, by his own hand, is pressed to a cross. 
The gospel is in the first word in Hebrew in the Bible, and it's all about what Jesus was going to come to do to redeem you from the curse and to set you free eternally to be your savior and your provider and to take care of everything that you lost. Isn't that amazing? Barashit. Barashit, the gospel. First word, first letter, first second letter, first three letters, first word. In the first sentence, the whole first sentence, which we're not doing here, we're doing it in our Hebrew class, talks about the mission of Jesus and what he is going to do prophetically for mankind before anybody even knew what was going to happen. By the way, this was what Moses recorded by the breath of God. Moses was dictated to write out the Torah for us, and he didn't even quite understand everything that was going on, but he was writing down the gospel before us. And it's just, it just blows my mind. In the first sentence of the Bible, there's seven words, okay? And in the middle of the first sentence of the Bible, if you, if you count out seven words, and, and Hebrew goes right to left. That's why I was doing it that way. The first word, second word, uh, third word, fourth word, fifth word, sixth word, and the seventh word, you see that the center of seven is that word right there, right? The fourth word of the Bible is the center of the first sentence. The first sentence has seven words. Seven represents completion and perfection in the Hebrew uh, number system. Seven is complete, it's perfect. After six days, God rested on the seventh day, and there you go, the first week, and then it reset to day one the next day. There's seven days, God said, it's finished, it's completed, it is good. And so from that, from that beginning, that's where the Hebrew, began to, the Hebrew understanding began to see that seven meant finished, completed, perfect, okay? And so at the center of the first sentence in the Hebrew Bible of the perfect sentence of creation, which, by the way, tells us what our whole purpose in life is, uh, and it tells us everything about we need to know. Really, if you just had this one sentence, if you just had this one sentence, and you understood this first sentence in the Bible, you probably didn't, don't need any of the other stuff. It's all right here. We don't have time to go through it all. But I'm just saying, this little word is uh, a letter. It's called the Aleph Tav. And in Greek, it would be called the Alpha and the, oh, what does Omega look like? Something, I'm not sure, something like that. In Greek, in Greek, it would be called the um, Alpha Omega. Did I do that wrong? Yeah. Oh, like a horseshoe, upside down horseshoe. Is that right? Like that? Thank you. We have a Greek scholar among us. Awesome. It's all Greek to me. I just know Hebrew. <laughs> you know that's coming. All right. Aleph, uh, what did I say? Alpha, Omega. But in Hebrew, it's the Aleph, Tav. And Jesus said, I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. This is the first letter. This is the last letter. Jesus said, I'm the beginning, the end, and everything between. I am the word, and I sit right here at the center of the first sentence of the Bible, which, by the way, is perfect and complete. And Jesus is at the center of your completion. He's at the center of your perfection. And to be perfect is not to never make a mistake, 
to be perfect is talking about your righteousness before God. That's what perfect means, that you are righteous before God. And Jesus is the center of your righteousness before God. He's the only thing that holds it all together, all of creation at the center right here. Jesus is is before all things, and he holds all things together. Isn't that awesome? So anyway, Jesus is the whole point here. That's what I'm talking about. Faith comes from you learning about Jesus. And throughout the whole scriptures, the Old Testament, New Testament, everything, it's talking about Jesus. There's pictures of him everywhere. You don't have to know Hebrew to see the pictures. Like Genesis chapter 1, he's the light. He's the light. Start thinking about that. The light that comes into the darkness, that overcomes the darkness. And every chapter of the Bible is talking about Jesus. And why is everything about Jesus? Because Jesus is the word of God made flesh. So doesn't it make sense that if this is the word of God and Jesus is the word of God and then he shows up and he's embodying the word of God that everything in here would be about him. So he is in all of this. He said it bluntly to his listeners. He said, you're studying the scriptures and you think that from the scriptures you'll have eternal life, but the scriptures are talking about me. They're talking about me, but you refuse to come to me personally and and have rest for your souls. He says, it's not about the actual words. It's about me. These things are about me. Woo! And he's in front of them going, it's me right here. Okay? And, And so... We need to know Jesus. We need to look for Jesus. When you're reading your Bible, you should be always thinking about how is God showing me his love to me through what Jesus is and he has done and he's going to do. And that's where you get faith, who Christ is as he reveals himself to you. Jesus is the demonstration of God's love toward us. And so Megan came up and she said, Romans 5, 8, I have a verse for you today. Um, uh, God demonstrates his own love toward us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So why is the whole Bible about Jesus? Because the whole point is God is demonstrating to you and to me his love through his son. The whole point of this is God is showing you how much he loves you, what he's done for you. He's come to rescue you and save you. All things in heaven and earth are being reconciled to God through Jesus. Jesus is the center. He's the perfection. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Okay? And everything in the Bible is there to showcase God's love through Jesus, uh, God's redemption through Jesus, God's power through Jesus, God's restoration through Jesus, and God's provision through Jesus. And now Jesus is in you. And if you don't study and learn who Jesus is and what he has done, then you don't know yourself yet. Because that's who you are. That is not who you are. And you, you're confused. I'm not saying you're confused. I'm just saying the, other, the person next to you is confused. Okay, so I wasn't talking to you. All right, so... So do you understand, if you don't know who Jesus is, and, and Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, 
Uh, it's, there's no longer an identity named Paul. That, that's not who I am anymore. That The old Paul or the old Tim, right, has died, and all things are new. I am now hidden in Christ. I now have a new identity in Christ. He is in me. He's flowing through me. That's who I am. Okay, if you don't know that, then you're confused because you're still thinking, oh, no, I am this failure over here. No, I, I am Tim. This is who I am. And this is my parents, and this is my troubles, and these are the habits I have. And, and, that's, and you, you're still attached to that. That's not who you are anymore. You're, that's not who you are. And as, as you begin to understand who Christ is, now you begin to understand who you now are. You are victorious. You are forgiven. You are healed. You are rich. You have everything you need. You are a kingdom of God ambassador on the earth. And all of heaven is backing your agenda up because you are under his headship, under his authority, sent by God on a mission to represent, to fruitful, to be fruitful and to multiply the kingdom of God, healing, joy, purpose, significance. Do you see, that's who you are because that's who Jesus is in you. He came to rescue. You are now a rescuer. He came to heal. You are now a healer. He came to preach the good news. You are now a preacher. I'm talking to Eli this morning, and I looked at him and said, hey, Eli, I wonder if someday, maybe someday you could take my job and be a preacher. What do you think about that? He's like, yeah, I could probably do that. <laughs> I said, about... Let's see, when I'm about 65, you'll be about 25. Man, I only got 15. I got to get going, man. I only got 15 years left to get things ready for you, you know. But we are all a preacher. We are all rescuers now. Christ in you is God's presence on the earth. And uh, one of the things I, I wanted to share with you is this idea um, of faith, okay? Romans 1, 16 to 17 says this, I am not, Paul is talking about this. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Gospel means good news, right? I'm not ashamed of the good news of what Christ has done for us. He says, because it's the power of God that brings salvation. It brings salvation to everyone who believes. I love this verse. I say it a lot. Salvation means a whole lot more than just forgiveness of sins. And it's for everyone. And it's for everyone who believes or has faith or sees it. And says, oh, that's for me. That's me. That's me. And, and he goes on to say this in the next verse, in verse 17, and I'm going to just kind of truncate it. He says, the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. And I was thinking about this, and I, I want to give you my commentary, another way to say it from my perspective. The righteous will access the abundant life by faith. So he's, he's saying, when you understand that you're forgiven, and God loves you, and he's died for you, you begin to understand who Christ is, this gospel that has the power to save you, then, then you are a righteous person now, not because of anything you've done, but because of who you know, and who you trust in, okay? And, and you live by faith. You come alive by faith. When you begin to see who you are, you, you begin to pull heaven down, you begin to access promises of God, and you live. You live. You come alive. You have access to this abundant life by faith, just like the Israelites. The ones that doubted suffered in the desert, 
They never entered the promised land. But we are not those who fall short of the promised land. Can I get a nod? Can I get an amen? We are not going to be those who fall short of the promises of God. We, by faith, will trust in the Lord and we will enter into the promised land. Abundant life mindset is really a promised land lifestyle. You're living in the promised land. You're eating fruit you didn't plant. You're living in homes you didn't build. God's blessing is upon you, and you're okay to receive it because you know he is good, he loves you, he's for you, and you are righteous through him, not of yourself, so you don't fall into the trap of trying to strive to survive. You, You rest and are blessed. You're trusting. You're following. Whatever he says, you don't fight him on it. You're like, okay, all right. By faith, I'm going to trust in you, God. By faith, I'm going to believe your ways are better than my ways. And sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it's just new, but every time it produces life in us. Every time. Every time. So abundant life, really living, is living in the promised land. So I came up with an illustration of how God wants to empower us to be fruitful and to multiply. I don't know about you, but when I get to the end of my life, I want to be able to look back. And in fact, now I, I do this all the time. I'm always looking back and saying, is, is my life doing anything worth anything at all? You know, am I being fruitful? Am I multiplying? You know, what, you know, is my life significant? I want a significant life. Do you? You want your life to matter? Uh, you know, God called you, by the way, to be fruitful and to multiply, to, to bear fruit, Jesus said, I I want you to bear much fruit. Uh, But he also said, but apart from me, you can do nothing. So I came up with an illustration uh, that helps me. I I have to, I'm a picture person. You know I'm always using this, even when there's nothing to use it for, I use it anyway. Because I'm a visual person. That's just my style. I'm always thinking of pictures, diagrams, arrows, things like that. That's just how I think. And uh, so I came up with this illustration that helps me, and it's an instrument, in particular, a wind instrument, a wind instrument. We are the wind instrument, okay? And God has fashioned you by his own hands. We've already covered that. And we may look similar, but God has the capacity to make each one of us unique, Unique. And when God, we need two things. We all need two things for us to fully be alive, okay? The first thing we need is we need the breath of God to blow through us, okay? An instrument, a wind instrument cannot work without the breath flowing through it. Does that make sense? If you want to be fruitful, you want to have an impact, you can't do it unless the breath of God flows through you. The ruach of God, the spirit of God flowing through you. And the second thing we need is we need God's hands. We need him to do the work for us, right? To press the keys. And when he does that, he makes beautiful music. It's just like a musician has to provide the air and the fingers to make the instrument come alive.
It's me. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Woo! So, I love a saxophone. I love it. When Peyton started messing around with this years ago, you know, we, I, I never knew how to, I've never played a wind instrument, but I just love the sound of a saxophone. And I was thinking about this. How cool is this as an illustration for your life, okay? Here we are. Here's the instrument, right? It's beautiful. It's got all kinds of great gadgets. It looks shiny. It looks pretty, pretty cool, pretty impressive. And, and you may look pretty cool, pretty impressive, but that's not the point at all. This instrument, what instrument, what instrument like this, a wind instrument, can provide its own wind and can press its own keys. It's pointless. It's senseless. Listen to me. Please, see yourself as an instrument because you cannot provide your own wind. You cannot press and do the work of God on your own. You can't do that. Anything that you're trying to do apart from the breath of God and the hand of God is frivolous. And it's not even making an impact. I'm not trying to degrade you or, you know, uh, uh, tear you down. I'm just trying to get you to, to kill yourself, right? <laughs> to die to yourself. Because the breath of God, just like this instrument, came alive. Isn't that beautiful? The music that's played, as soon as the breath of God and the hand of God is on your life, you change the environment around you. And this is what's really cool about this whole deal. I've been thinking about this a lot. It's like, we, we think that, um, like, self-pleasure is what makes us happy. Not, not you, I'm just saying in general, other people. Other people think that, you know, self-pleasure, self-seeking will make me happy. Some people spend a lot of their lives self-seeking, pleasure. The, the irony or the paradox here of the kingdom is this, that instead of self-seeking, it's actually self-sacrifice that brings you alive. Jesus put it this way. He, uh, whoever wants to follow me needs to deny himself and pick up his cross daily and follow me. Anyone who wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever wants to, who's willing to lose their life for me and for the sake of the gospel... We'll find it. That's what Jesus said, right? It's in your notes. And it's like this instrument, you know, ha the only thing that really, what's so cool about this, though, is when we surrender, when we lay our life down for God and, and we're resting in him, but we're laying our lives into his hands, and he breathes through us, and his hand is directing our steps, and he's upon us, we come alive like this saxophone. We actually come alive. And his breath flows through us first. His, his energy, his life flows through us. We start making music. It, we're the ones that are first blessed, but it overflows, it amplifies itself, and people around us are blessed as well. That's what's so cool about God. Isn't that amazing? i got to set this down right. My son is giving me a lesson on how to put it down so I don't mess it up. There we go. And so you are an instrument in the hands of God. And the Bible talks about the breath of God. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus said to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Or the breath of God, the ruach of God in Hebrew. It is the same word that's used in the very beginning of, the, of Genesis chapter 1. 
where it says the spirit was hovering over the waters, and, then, and that was the ruach of God. And God spoke, he breathed, he spoke words, and those words created, and now God comes and he forms you, and he breathes life into man. He put his breath into your, into your being, and you came alive. And it's the same now, the Bible says that the Spirit of God blew upon this upper room filled with believers, 120 of them. It said like the sound of a muddy rushing wind, the Spirit came into the room. It was the breath of God. God just blew on them. (gasps) Muddy wind. And they were filled with the breath of God. Spirit, the Spirit, the word for Spirit, And the word for breath in the Hebrew is the same thing. So when you're filled with God's spirit, you're filled with his breath. And when he breathes through you and you're yielded to him, he makes your life come alive. And it's like an instrument just fills a room. That's that's a good picture of, of God's plan for your life. You don't have to do anything. This instrument didn't have to do anything. Can't even walk. Look at it. Come here. You know, I mean, it can't, it can't do anything of its own. Some of us think that we can. But you weren't meant to do anything on your own. You were meant to be completely dependent and reliant upon God. And when you allow him to do that, you're not losing. You're gaining right? If you try to find your life or keep your life, you lose it. If you lose it, Jesus said, you find it. And so that's, that's my encouragement to you. Your fruitfulness in life comes from your yieldedness to him. As you trust in him, as you believe in him, and you surrender to him. So see yourself. Listen, I see, uh, I was at a, a track meet this last weekend watching Remington run and, uh, they're at the National Christian College Athletic Association meet at their, at their school. And I just, you know, I was watching different runners and different people competing. And at the collegiate level, um, you don't see slackers. You know, these people are dedicating, you know, 20 to 30 hours worth of their, their week to training and performing. These, these kids, they eat right. They, they train hard. You know, they're dedicated. They're trying to get the most out of their, their bodies. They're trying to develop themselves. And so when they compete, you, you just see, I was seeing students out there that were just giving it everything they had. Nobody was wimping out. Nobody was backing away. Even when their body was shutting down, you know, at the end of certain races, I saw, I could tell, me and my dad, I'm like, oh, he just, he just, you know, he's feeling it right there. You could see him physically. The body just says no more. And they wouldn't stop. They wouldn't give in. They just would just kept going, everything they got. And it's, to me, as a coach, as an athlete, that kind of thing, that's, that's sweet music. I love it. I love watching that. I love seeing that dedication. When we have a worship team up here, and someone has the gift of singing or playing, and they're giving it everything they got, right? And they're just sold out to just the moment, in the moment, I am a surrendered vessel to God. In this moment, I'm going to just give it all I got. I love it. 
When I see a teacher in the classroom, and I had some teachers like this, and so did you, who came every day, and they were giving it their best. And they weren't just going, blah, 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 but they were like giving it their best. They would laugh, and they would kid with the kids, and they, would, they were giving their best. I even had some teachers that would sweat, you know, they're teaching so hard, you know? I love that. And when you're at work, or when you're at home, or when you're mothering, or when you're fathering, or when you're doing what you do, and in that moment, you're just in, you know what I mean? You're just filled with God, and you're in the moment, and you're just letting God just do your best through you. That's worship. All of that's worship. And that brings glory to God, and you come alive. And wherever you are, God wants your light to shine. He wants to play music through your life. He wants you to be surrendered to him. And it's not a striving, you better get out there and do something, people, let's go, you know. I used to be like that. I actually used to preach like that. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying, rest in God, but understand what he's, he's going to do through you. He wants you to see what he sees. He wants you to listen to him. He wants you to see the needs around you. And he will fill you with the capacity to allow him to use you or to move through you to meet those needs and to bless people and to help people or to inspire people. And it's not you, it's him through you, but you were yielded to him and allowed it to happen. And when you do, you come alive. You thrive. The breath of God flows through you. I'm gonna probably develop this idea a little bit more, maybe not with the instrument idea, but the idea of the breath of God flowing through us in a couple of weeks because I see so many people trying to collect things, save things, uh, find pleasure, find happiness, find money, find stuff. And because we have this little um, internal like insecurity or ache that says, I need more. Or what if, the, what if this doesn't last me? But when you see yourself this way, an instrument in the hands of God, and heaven is blowing through you, Please tell me, how will you ever run out? Did you generate your own breath? No. When the breath of heaven, when you're an instrument and you're allowing God to flow through you, whether that's, you know, whether that's um, uh, a prayer, whether it's your time, whether it's energy, whether it's uh, money, whether it's just you know, giving out to someone or, or, or trusting, you know, giving your time to someone or ministering to someone. Because he's the source, you never lack anything that you need to do what God's calling you to do and what he's showing you, the needs he's showing you. So step into it boldly because it's not you. But if God shows you a need, he wants to meet that need through you. He provides everything. He provides everything. You have no lack and you have no worries. You don't have to stockpile stuff. You don't say, oh, I only got so much time. You don't have any time. It's not your time. Well, I only have so much money. It's not your money. It's not yours anyway. And if you are a conduit, if you see yourself as a constant conduit, then you never lack and you're never afraid to step out because it's not you. It is Christ in you the hope of glory. You are an image bearer on the earth. 
You are a king's kid. When you are on mission, you are most alive. In fact, I'll say it this way. You are most alive when you are dead. You are most alive when you are dead and you're completely surrendered to God. Okay? So I I just want to encourage you. Let God play some sweet music to you this week. That's when you come alive. That's when you really thrive in life. And um, there's some other scriptures I didn't get a chance to get to, but I'd like to invite our worship team, if they could come forward. And I want to pray for you guys that there is just just a, a new rekindled awareness of this abundant life that is possible for each and every one of us. Um, as, I, as I kind of close my thoughts, I want to just remind you of the story very briefly of Moses. Think about Moses. He was in the desert. God tells him to go to his people to set them free. Moses didn't have an army. He didn't have a sword. He didn't have a chariot. He didn't have a cannon. He didn't have any bullets. Listen, Moses had nothing. Are you with me so far? Moses walks up to the most powerful man on planet Earth with an army. And he's standing there with his brother Aaron. And he tells the most powerful man on the Earth, let all these people go. 1.5 million people, let them go right now. What does he have? In the physical realm, he has nothing. He has a stick. That's what he has, a staff. He has a stick. In the physical realm, he has nothing. But the call of God on his life, with that call of God, he has all of heaven backing him up. Listen, this was a real man. Moses was a real person. Okay? You're a real person. Do you hear what I'm saying? He's a real person. He was just a man. God called him to do something crazy. And he had nothing in and of himself to do it. And guess what? That's exactly your situation too. And if you think you got something, then you're wrong. You got nothing. You got nothing that you have is going to do you any good except yield your life to the Lord. You have nothing, but you have everything. If you're on God's mission, you have everything. God can do anything he wants at any moment, at any time, through anyone who is fully yielded to him. Anything is possible. I'm just telling you what Jesus said, right? He said, with man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. There isn't anything impossible to God. So when he's called you, Whatever that is. You have nothing. Of course, you're, we're all in this together. You look around and say, who, me? Yeah, of course. No, yeah. You got, it's not you, but God's chosen you for whatever it is. You know, to be the grandmother you're called to be or to be the, you know, the president of the United States or whatever. It doesn't, whatever you're called to be, it's of God. And, and he will provide everything that you need. So Moses goes there and who does the work? God. God did all the work. What did Moses do? He listened. He talked with God. He listened to God. And he obeyed God. He followed God. 
he just said what God told him to say. He did what God told him to do. And he rested in God. And God defeated the enemy, delivered the people, set them free, crossed the Red Sea, and blessed them abundantly with all the wealth of Egypt and healed all the people. Moses couldn't feed 1.5 million people. What? He didn't have like food trucks, semis, you know, he didn't have a cell phone to call, you know, Chick-fil-A to the desert or something like that. He had no money to be able to handle that many people. He, what was, he didn't even have a plan. He didn't know what he was going to do. He was just trusting in the Lord, following him, obeying him, and God did all the work. God provided manna from heaven. For 40 years, God provided food for the people. He provided water from a rock in the desert. God did it all. Now, that's the same he wants to do through you and through me, whatever it is. We all have our unique music to play. We all have our own tune. Right? We, we, a lot of us, we look similar, but we all have a unique calling, right? A unique song. God wants to play a unique song through you. But it's not you, it's him through you. But he is with you. And now all things are possible. Uh, I just want to pray a blessing on you, a blessing of... Uh, just revelation of this mindset. Would you stand just to receive the blessing of the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just, we just begin, Lord, to mutter to ourselves who you are. Thank you, Jesus. You're for us. You're not against us. Thank you, Jesus. You have called me. Lord, you've provided everything that I need today. You are my perfect and complete solution to every situation I'm facing. Thank you, Lord. I can trust in you. You're my provider. You're for me. You battle for me. I don't have to swing the, you know, I don't have to defeat the enemy on my own. You do that as I trust in you. Thank you, Lord. God, I just pray a blessing on our family today, a blessing of revelation, the revelation of the depth and the width and the strength and the relentless relentlessness of your love for us your love lord would define us it would be at the center of our of our soul your love would wash away all fears and all worries and all striving and all stress that lord we would be able to rest our souls will find rest in you lord because we thirst for you we thirst for you we long for you we need you and Lord, may a revelation of the depth and width and strength and relentlessness of your love come to us that we can finally relax. We can, we can turn over the controls of our life to you and we can let you breathe through us. And Spirit of God, we ask that you would breathe upon us and refresh us and blow through us. Blow through us, Lord, filling us with that power from heaven, the power that actually brings us alive, brings us alive into who we really are. Lord, we thank you for all the promises of God are yes and amen as we say amen, as we agree with you. Lord, give us faith. Let us learn. Let us grow in our awareness who you are and who we are in you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are seated far above all power, all authority, all dominion, every name, every title, every power, and we are seated with you in the heavenly realms. Thank you, Lord, that the victory is yours that we can trust in you with all things. And I pray for a, a release this morning for anyone in this room 
that just needs to release control of a situation, that wants to exchange their striving, Lord, for your peace, their worry, Lord, for your rest. Right now, Lord, if that's you, just surrender that to the Lord. Just mutter to him, Lord, it's, it's you. I, I turn it over to you. Lord, just according to your word, let your peace come. Let the assurance of your provision come. Let the assurance in our souls uh, come that we know that you're with us. We're not alone. You are our answer. You are at work. We can trust you. We can follow you. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Greater is he who is in us and he who is in this world. And that thank you, Lord, for the verse this week that, God, you are at work in us to will and to do so that we might be able to see the fulfillment of your good purpose in our life. Thank you, Jesus. Bless us, Lord, with revelation of your love and your word and your promises that we would live in an abundant lifestyle. We would live in the promised land. God, that we would see the needs of those around us too and invite them to join us. Join us in the kingdom of God and join us in the promised land. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I just want to give the invitation to anyone here this morning that needs to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If you haven't made that decision yet, I urge you to make that decision right now this morning. The Bible says that salvation today is the day of salvation. That's not just for the forgiveness of your sins. That's for healing of sicknesses and diseases. That's for freedom and the power to break addictions and chains. Everybody who believes receives salvation. And today, the gift is yours to open. The gift of eternal salvation. If you're here this morning, you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask that you just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to see your hand so I can agree with you, witness with you. You're giving your life to the Lord and celebrate that decision with you. Is there anyone here this morning? Just lift your hand up high or look, your, look at me so I can agree with you. All right, I don't see any hands at all. I believe we're all saved on our way to heaven, but heaven's on its way to us. More promises of God, more abundant living that we are equipped to play that sweet music to bring other people to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let it be done in our lives, Lord, this week. Let the blessing of God and the favor of God chase us down. Lord, may the joy of the Lord be our strength. May we walk with the shield of faith up to extinguish all the fiery darts and lies of the enemy, that our faith will remain strong. Lord, we thank you for the helmet of salvation, that we're saved, that we are eternally forgiven. Thank you, Lord, for the breastplate of righteousness that makes us clean. It gives us a clean conscience. Thank you, Lord, for the gospel of peace that we walk with everywhere we go. We are preachers of the good news. We are heralds of salvation. We get to point people to the solution, to you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that our rear guard is your presence. Thank you, Lord, for the banner over us is love. Thank you, Lord, that we wrap ourselves in the robes of righteousness and vengeance against the enemies of the Lord, that you have entrusted us, Lord, with all authority over the enemy. You've given us all authority over snakes and scorpions, and none of the enemy's power will harm us. Thank you, Lord, for your protection 
and your favor and your providence and your guidance for our coming week. We are a blessed people. We are a favored people. We are people who are fellowshipping in the light, in the truth, and the truth is setting us free. Thank you for the blessings, Lord, of your word, the blessings of your Holy Spirit, and the blessings of the spiritual family, our brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. We love you. We worship you in Jesus' name. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom, his peace, nothing missing, nothing broken, wellness, health, wholeness, freedom, provision for all the needs that you have for your family and for the purpose that God has called you to. May you be fruitful and multiply through the power of the Holy Spirit and the hand of God upon your life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Let's just sing this chorus as we go. Thank you, Lord.